that City Hill exists so that we can light up our world. Um, the world could be our, our workplaces, our, wherever we go on a day-to-day -day basis, to light up our world so that the people far from God can find a life in Christ. So we are basically the light in our, the dark worlds that we live in, right? All right, cool. So I'm going to get into the word. Um, all right, don't go to no Bibles yet. So Andy, Andy basically approached me and he said that he wanted me to do a talk on a relatively popular song, a song by Calvin Harris called How Deep Is Your Love? <laughs> them, them bangers there. Nice. So um, I've never done this before. I've never looked on a song and, and tried to find the gospel in it. Um, but he gave me this mission. I said I'll do it. So here it goes. Um, so kind of it's a song that you hear every now and again I never really went out to download it to listen to it but I've done it the other day listened to it a few times and um, I think this is something that you're going to be listening to or, or going to be going through for the next month uh, but you said that I need to cover the first verse right um, so the first verse is this How Deep Is Your Love by Calvin Harris. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. I'm not, you want to sing this one? Nah, it don't work like that. It, don't, it, it, it definitely don't work like that. So, the first verse... Actually, now read it. Yeah, read it out. Read it out. Read it out. My mom doesn't know if she knows it. I need to hear it. Sing it. Go sing it. At least the first verse. I'll try. No, I don't. I'm going to sing in a different key because she sings it really high. Yeah, okay, yeah, fine. Right. Um, I want you to breathe me in. Hey. Let me be your edge. Let me run your body freely. No inhibition, no fear. How deep is your love? Hey. <laughs> Vibes. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> Vibes. <laughs> Them gospel versions there. <laughs> Alright, so um so the first verse, or the, I'm basically gonna take care of the first half, because it's only four lines right in the verse. I'm gonna take care of the first two lines at first, and then on the end of this talk, I'm gonna kind of deal with the second um the last two lines. So the first is I want you to breathe me in, let me be your ear. Now, I had to take a lot of creative license when listening to these lyrics. I kind of saw these lyrics as if it was love personified, right? If love personified said, I want you to breathe me in, let me be your ear. And I suppose that within that context, that makes a whole lot of sense. So if everyone goes to Luke 10, verse 26. Luke 10 verse 26 um, I don't know necessarily what version you're reading from but I normally read from ESV alright so I'm just going to read it now as you know verse 25 so verse 25 says and behold a lawyer stood up to put him to, te to the test that's putting Jesus to the test saying teacher what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? 
And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, which is Jesus, said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. I suppose that scripture in a nutshell justifies the two lines of that verse, saying that I want you to breathe me in, and I want to be your ear, right? Jesus was posed with a question to say, what is the meaning of life, right? Or how do I inherit eternal life? And I suppose that life is, life can be ear. If you run out of ear, you run out of life, I'm sorry. So he's basically saying that the real meaning of life, and not necessarily life in this life, but I mean living eternally, is this thing for you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and also love your neighbor as yourself. It's almost the lawyer who kind of tried to propose this law as an almost trick. Jesus says, no, this is the correct answer. If you do this thing, you will live. This is your oxygen. This is your ear. The funny thing about the actual law that the lawyer pointed out, which is to love God and love, love neighbors as yourself, is that this law is a law that is known by most of the Jewish community, right? It's this law that you're taught when you are a young child, right? If you don't know this law, it's almost like you wasn't, you wasn't really about the thing in the first place. The law is basically known as Shema. Um, and I know that Andy is always talking about Shema. And Shema is basically the Bible and Christianity and Judaism, I suppose, in one word, in one straight word. Um, the Israelites were given 600 laws to abide by, right? But there was one overarching law that kind of like was the roof over all these laws and it was to love God and to love people. But the actual first word of that law is Shema. So when someone said, are you performing the Shema? Are you doing the Shema? Are you living the Shema? They knew that that was actually the entirety of the whole law, right? And it's funny because in culture, especially when we're talking about how deep is your love and all that kind of stuff, love has this kind of R&B vibe to it yeah love has this kind of Valentine's Day mm, I love you kiss kiss like that kind of stuff it's, all that kind of stuff is cool but when when God is saying love someone as yourself he's not talking about that kind of love and you know that number one by Shema by the actual word Shema now if you go into the word Shema it's a Hebrew word and it has three actual meanings right it means to hear to listen to understand, to hear, to listen, to understand. So when God is talking about loving God and loving people, he's not talking about, oh, I love you. He's talking about making sure you're hearing people, making sure you're listening to people, making sure you're understanding people. Even Solomon, when Solomon, when God approached Solomon and said, what do you want? Gollum, um, Gollum, <laughs> Gollum said, <laughs> Solomon basically said, I want a listening heart. And the reason why he said that is because if I know how to listen, then everything's fine, right? In the Shema, you understand that once you get a full grasp of what the Shema is, then you understand the Bible. As a matter of fact, the whole Bible is trying to explain the Shema. When the children of Israel or God's children no longer do what God's saying or they fall into sin, God normally says something along the lines of, you fail to listen to the words of your Lord. Yeah? Equally, 
there will be times when you know that shima or listening is directly connected with love because when you see two people that's fully in love you know like fresh two people that's fully like fresh in love and you can tell that there's a level of love to it because they can they're paying attention and even when there's like small little nuances that one person may do they notice it right small little whispers they'll notice it but when they're no longer in love and when they're like when that kind of is a lot of tension you can't do the nuances no more <laughs> you can't do those small little gestures because you, you're not going to notice it you're not listening you're not paying attention it's almost like you're falling out of love right but to fall back in it you pay more attention Th- those are couples I-, I, can, I can speak about like guys on road when they're cool they'll have like private jokes or whatever they've they got, they got banter amongst themselves but then when it's war one of the first things they'll say is you know what I'm done talking I'm not listening no more they'll say that to say you know what love love is cut off basically so this is the law that we're supposed to be abiding by I think there's a reason why we are supposed to abide by this law um, and this isn't in the bible so don't necessarily like fully quote me on it but this is why I believe that whenever you talk about the meaning of life more times than not people will always resort back to love this is why I believe this is like inbuilt in our design God is a creator right and God has made all things a particular way I believe that God has made everything to be connected and God has made everything to be interdependent does that make sense? So interdependent means that you, you need to rely on the next thing in order to survive. Um, so when you look on plants, when you look on trees and all that kind of stuff, they have a network amongst themselves. They, they speak to each other, right? In, in their own way. But also as well, when you look at planets, there's almost like a clockwork going on. But I feel that human beings are also connected in that way. And in you making strong connections to people then you're increasing yourself as a person, but also increasing that person as a person. But then when you begin to argue, when you begin to fear, when you begin to do the opposite of love, and you begin to retract from people, that's when you weaken yourself as a person, you weaken that person too. Does that make sense? So, here's a little bit of a demonstration. Here's a sheet of paper, and that small little circle right there is the universe. I think that that universe, just, just think about every, everything that you know that is created. Trees, birds, stars, moons, galaxies, everything. That all fits into this one circle here, the universe. Everything is connected. Everything can be compared to each other except for one person, which is God. Yeah? God is the only thing that we know that cannot be compared to anything else. That's why he's known as Holy. The word holy means something that's separate, cut apart, uh, something that is kind of on a, on a higher level. I used to personally think that like, the angels were somewhat braindead when like, in Revelations it says holy, holy. That's all they say all the time, holy, holy, holy. I thought it had like, a level of like, is that all you're going to say? Like, you're like the most intelligent being, is that all you can say in heaven? But I realised this is why. Because if God is this, right? If God is like this overarching circle that spills over the page and he's known as holy... And you have like these angels that kind of know a lot of stuff, right? They know like a lot of planets. They may know a lot of different creatures and species, right? And they're able to see the face of God. 
And every time they see the face of God, they're trying to compare it to every single thing that's created, and they can't compare it to anything that they know. So they have to keep saying, holy. And they look back on his face, and his face is completely different from what it was before. They're trying to compare it to everything they know before, and they can't. So they have to keep saying, holy. And I suppose that it's interesting, because God is in some way... You, well, he's definitely unique. And he's a capital H, holy. And he then says that I want you to be holy as I am holy. And fair enough, we may have this kind of aspect of it being, um, meaning that you have to go like into, into the temples and meditate all day. That's not what he means. He means that the same way how I'm unique, the same way I'm built a particular way, well, he's not even built a way out, I am a particular way, I've built you to have a, a mini sense of that uniqueness to yourself. Does that make sense? So, we are like this, right? You see these two people that are speaking to each other. And there's two ways in which they can connect with each other. You have this strong bond at the top in which they're connected by, which is love. So, in you connecting to someone, you listening, you hearing, you understanding someone, that creates this strong rope between the two. But then the disconnect, which is the one at the bottom... Is fear. The problem is, is that with love and in us living a life of love, it hasn't, I feel, been explored to its highest levels. The only human being that I know that has really explored it to a level that has been completely groundbreaking is Jesus. Um, but the way in how we're built, this isn't like a religious, this isn't like a religious kind of piece of advice or a religious like hot tip of the day this is exactly how you're designed and if we live on the bottom line with disconnected cords then we're actually weaker as people we're actually less than as people god is saying the reason why i made law as a as the top thing the main law is because that's what you thrive by not necessarily just with your family with your friends even when you're in business when you're at work when you connect with people on a deep level you increase as a person you've increased that person as a person as well you have opportunities to connect deeply with human beings all the time because there's human beings everywhere. There's human beings all over the place. Um, so knowing that there's human beings all over the place, um, it's important that we make sure that we are always understanding five things about human beings, right? Well, as a matter of fact, there's, there's two main things. Human beings are designed to do two things. One which is to love, one which is to connect with other human beings. And the second thing is to create value. So when God made Adam, he, he said, all right, cool. Here's Adam, here's Eve. Make sure that you two connect, right? Then also as well, I've given you the ground. And in the ground, you're supposed to bring everything out of it. So fair enough, you can make um, crops come out of it, but also as well, mobile phones have come from the ground also. So he's given us base material to work with but also he says you know what I want you to bring value out of that so because he's built that and those are almost like the instruction manual for all human beings that's for you that's for you but also as well when you look at another human being you're like well there's five things I need to realise about you number one that you're unique that there's something very very unique about you the same way how God is very unique and very holy there's something incredibly unique and holy about you and also as well if you were to apply the way you think to a given situation, whether it be work or if you're working on a particular project, it will change 
your culture will change your world significantly. So I can't disrespect you because you have something quite marvellous up here, right? The second thing is that you should be heard. As a human being, because you have such a unique thing about you, because if you are lost, then you are like one of a kind and we've lost someone very significant, I should hear you out. But then also as well, because I'm significant, you're expected to hear me as well. Does it make sense? Also as well, the same way how you're supposed to be valued because of the person you are, you're also expected to bring value. So there's five things that's expected. Number one, you're unique. Number two, you should be heard. Number three, you should hear. Number four, you should bring value or you should be valued. And number five, you should bring value. Yeah? All right. So... Oh, that's the thing right there. So then, here's us, right? God is telling us to love one another. And this is how far it may stretch. It may stretch to me, because I like me. I love me, right? And it may stretch to my mates. So that's my acquaintances. That also can include work colleagues, maybe. Um, but friends and family, right? Those are your mates. It can stretch as far as that. And that's normal love. That's what, that's what people normally... That's how people normally stretch, right? Then you have the second or the third group of people, which is strangers. These are people that you don't know. These are people that do not have the same... Um, you don't know if they have the same beliefs as you. Don't, don't know if they have the same background as you. They're complete, completely foreign to how you live, right? And then you have the fourth type of people, which is enemies, of which you wish they were strangers... You wish you didn't know them. Um, and they are people that have just kind of been in your life, messed things up. I wish you just stayed to the back of the pile kind of thing. Normally, when the world is talking about love, they're talking about it on an aspect of loving myself and loving my friends. Right? But then Jesus comes and completely destroys that philosophy, butchers it to pieces. And that's found in Matthew 5, verse 43. All right, so Matthew 5, verse 43 says this. Jesus is talking. He says, You have heard that it was said... You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Apparently the tax collector has a proper bad reputation. And if you greet only your brothers... What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus completely butchers the idea of love just being this thing of yourself and loving your friends and family. He says, no, 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 no. Like, that's basic. That's basic type of love. He's saying this, this level that, of love that I'm trying to introduce to you is a love whereby you're actually in war with these people right here. Like, you're actually loving these people right here. 
And he was saying that if you only if your love only stretches as far as yourself and your mates, what difference are you compared to anybody else? Because everybody loves those who love them. Most people anyway. He was saying that in order for you to be like your father, in order for you to be in the image of your father, your love has to stretch from yourself to even those who don't even like you. Those who are not even on the same 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 that same thing as you, right? I suppose that like enemies can be because there could be someone here that'd be like, I don't have any enemies and it I don't feel like I necessarily have enemies. But sometimes enemies can just be people who you just find very annoying. Enemies can be people you just think is a little bit of an idiot. Um, people you wouldn't necessarily go out your way to love. But Jesus is saying, even those people love them. Right? And for me, I find it incredibly challenging. He's saying, what's the difference between you and someone else if you're not willing to take that extra mile? He then takes it to another level where he goes to his disciples and says, here's a new commandment I'm giving you. So you know that the old commandment is Shema, right? He says, here's a, here's a brand new commandment. You know about loving people, but you need to love people as I've loved you. Because now he set the example. He's like, you know, now that you know exactly what love is, because you've seen me like, come down from, from my high place to this low place to die for you guys you've seen that sacrifice now that you've seen that this is an example that you have to do for other people he's now put it to a whole new level to say listen love isn't exactly what we see or what we hear about on our R&B gym right this is actually quite a rebellious type of love this is actually a, a kind of love that is very daring the The difficulty is that I don't want to love. And I don't want to go to those levels. Because in you going that extra mile, and in you going to your, your workplaces or to your family or going to people that's hurt you, and you actually listening and you paying attention and you understanding and you, and you actually taking care of their needs, there could be a big possibility that they're not going to appreciate that there could be a big possibility that they're going to actually spit in your face and do exactly opposite of what you expected them to do. But then, I suppose, that links to the second or the last line of Brother Calvin Harris's tune, which says, no inhibition, no fear. No inhibition, no fear. And I think that's beautiful at the fact that you can have a life of love that doesn't have any sort of reservations, any sort of holdbacks, and a life of no fear. If everyone goes to 1 John, verse 4. 1 John 4, verse 18. So I'm going to go through all of it and I'm going to break it down verse by verse. It'll be 14 to 20. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear, fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. 
we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he, he has he cannot see. Oh, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I want to just touch on the first verse that says, there is no fear in love. We also know of the scripture that says that God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, right? Fear isn't something that God has like invented and just instilled in loads of human beings. Fear is the byproduct of a lack of love, right? And when we feel fearful in any situation, if we feel fearful, then figure out, cool, how can I use love to counteract that fear? The scripture is saying here that when you are in fear and living a life of fear, then you haven't necessarily been perfected in love. Again, even though we're talking about Shema, another translation of the word Shema, or another translation of the word love in Greek is agape. Agape is unconditional love, which is a crazy concept. As a matter of fact, it was such a crazy concept that it was only affiliated with Christians, right? Because that word basically means and implies that under no condition will I stop loving you. Under no condition. So the way in which we overcome fear is to experience that agape love. But there's only one way in which we can experience that agape love, which is in the verse next to it. The verse next to it is, we love because he first loved us. Jesus said one story of, this is a, a serious paraphrasing, so this, I don't know exactly, it's paraphrasing, isn't it? but a man gives, a man owes, no, a man gives someone else 10 grand, right? Give this person 10 grand, and this person hasn't been able to pay, pay the 10 grand for months. And then he's scared because he knows that if at any given point he sees this person that he owes money, he's going to be in trouble. So he goes to the man and says, you know what, I can't pay, but I'm so sorry. Like, let me just, like, give me some time. The man says, you know what, it's okay, don't worry. Like, I know I've given you that money. I know you haven't paid me back, but it's fine. The man who owes 10 grand also have other people that owe him money. These people own like uh, 50 pounds here, 100 pounds there. He goes to the man who owes him 50 pounds and he like grabs, grabs him up, right? And says, listen, you owe me 50 pounds. I've been asking for this for the past couple of weeks. You ain't giving me 50 pounds. Give me 50 pounds, it's war, basically. And he's giving all the big talk to this guy that owes him the 50 pounds. And then the person who owes or who gave him the 10,000 looks at him and says, well, you're acting like that to someone who owes you 50 pounds, but you owe me 10 grand. So you know what? Here you go. You're going to have to give me the 10 pounds. You probably have to give me more. If not, I'm going to have to throw you in jail. That's the story that Jesus said. It's a bit of a paraphrasing, but if you do your Bible research, that's what he said. But that's, he done that to give us an example of kind of how we approach life. Sometimes we look at someone and be like, you know, that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. That person doesn't deserve my love. But then more times than not, Jesus is saying, the only way you can say that is if you don't know how much you've been forgiven yourself. And the way in which we know how to love and the way how we, in which we know how to do this agape love that the Bible's talking about is if we know that first, he loved us unconditionally. That we know that we have lived lives of sin, we have done wrong against our God, but yeah, he looks at our life and says, you know what, I forgive you. So if he's able to forgive our madness, we can easily look at someone else and be like, you know what, I'm forgiven, 
I forgive you too. Right? The next verse says this. The next verse implies that you can only really love God if you love people. The scripture is saying that how can you say that you don't like your brother, which you see every single day? You see humans every day. You say you don't like them, but then you speak about this God who you do love and you've never seen this God. We are all made in the image of God. And this is like one of my final points, so I'm going to wrap it up. One of my final points is that I look into artistry, right? I looked into the history of art. And I realized that images, especially like in tribal cultures, images was very important. Images was almost a type of prophecy. So if you was to, if you was to go to a village and you was to paint a painting of like all the cattle in the place, they won't allow you to leave that village with that painting. Because they believe that if you leave with the painting, if you leave with the image, then the real thing is bound to happen, right? Also as well, they'll do stuff like, some people would get an image and attack the image in hopes that if you attack the image, you may attack the real person. And that was during the time where the scripture was written that we were made in the image of God. The reason why it says we were made in the image of God is because that belief was there that whatever you do to image is what you would have done to the actual person. So that's why the scripture is saying, how can you say that you hate your brother, but say you love God? Whatever you've done to the image, that's what you've actually done to the person of the image. So that's what Jesus says in the end of Matthew 25 when he separates the the sheep from a goat. And he says, listen, like when I was poor, you looked after me. When I was a stranger, you took me in, right? And they said, like, at what point in time was you a stranger and I took you in? He's like, well, when you've done that to the images, you've done that to me. So when you're kind, when you're, when you're doing well to another human being, it's as if you're doing well to God. And that's why God is saying, this is the law you live by, right? Because even though you haven't seen me, you see people all the time. All right, so let's get into the practical side of things. There's three things that we can do on a day-to-day, even though I said all this, that we can leave and we can a- apply this in order to know how to love a little bit better. Love ourselves, yes. Love our family, yes. But we want to try and love the enemies a little bit more. Love the strangers a little bit more. Um, and the first one is to, again, practice Shema. Yeah? To love is just to pay attention. To hear, to listen, to understand. To hear is to be in the same place as them, to be in proximity to them. To listen is to pay attention to their, to their wants, their desires, who they are. And to understand is to kind of empathize with them and to act upon it. Right? The second thing is to understand that the same way how you're special, the same way how you think a particular way, they also are special. They may not show it, they may not show it every single day, but they have something in them that if they were to actually show it, it will astound everybody, right? So they're as much a king and queen as you are a king and queen. So you have to respect that. And the third thing is that to constantly live a life of Shima, to constantly live a life of agape, to constantly live a life of love, you need to also constantly remind yourself that you are loved. You're constantly loved. And we need to know that God is not somebody who looks at us, looks down on us and like wants to strike us down at any given moment in time. That's not how he sees us. He sees us with crazy, crazy love to the point where the Bible says that every single hair on our head is counted. That's the, that's the level of attention he pays, right? So he's saying that if you know that you're loved, then it wouldn't be as hard to love someone else. All right.
this is incredibly hard stuff, yeah? And this is not necessarily something that everybody can necessarily hear and run with. Um, but when you look at the symbol that we kind of use to define our religion, which is the crucifix, it shows that love is extreme, right? Love is, love is something that well, everybody definitely needs. It's not necessarily something that everybody does. But this is our defining mark. Jesus said that people will know that you're my disciples when you show love. This is going to be the mark that says, yeah, that person is definitely a Christian. And if, even if it not be to show that we are nice people, it's to show the image of God. So this is exactly what God looks like just by our, life, our way of living. Right? So, question. Raise of hands. Who has difficulty... Showing love, not to friends and family, to the strangers, and to the enemy. You're good, you know. That's not as good. That's that's the anger. That's righteous, though. All right. So for the rest of us, yeah. For the rest of us, um, we're just gonna pray that from this point on, um, in the relationships that we have, in the people that we connect with people that we know, people that we don't, um, that we all just increase in love because at the end of the day, this is for our benefit as well as the people around us um, and that we're able to, like, like Andy says, shine our light as much as we can through love, right? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you've commanded us to love and we thank you that your law is so simple. It's simple, but it's hard to live by. We pray that every single day you just give us more and more opportunity to love. Not only that it shows you to other people, but also as well that we can grow as individuals. Help us to remember every single day that you love us, that you died for us, and that the best thing you want for us is that we may become more and more like you. Pray, Lord God, as we go to work, as we go to school, wherever we go, that love will be able to just prevail wherever we're at and lives will be changed. In Jesus' name, amen.